0: Pray with me, Grace Church. Father, our prayer is simple this morning. We wish to see Jesus. And it is your office that we submit to, to, to show him to us. Holy Spirit, declare the things of Christ to us, that we may gaze upon him, be changed into his likeness, and worship him with our all. Amen. So we're going to continue our Advent series this morning, last week. Corey Henry and Jeff Hill brought to us the Word of God. Corey preached to us the Redeemer in eternity past. Jesus was always God's delight. And Jeff preached to us uh, the Redeemer in the First Testament. He was the promised one to come. So we're going to take this 15 minutes now to continue the next chapter in the story the incarnation of the Redeemer. You can say it this way, the Incarnation is the Redeemer in eternity past, becoming man. The Incarnation is the fulfillment of God's promise of a Redeemer in the First Testament. And we're going to consider this truth out of Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, so you can turn there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and I'll read it as you're making your way there. Behold. Behold. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has an exhortation for us this morning, Grace Church. He's commanding us to do something, and that command is to behold his son in the incarnation. And it is meant to be obeyed. So let's do that. Let's behold his son. God's desire is to behold the incarnation. But it's not a beholding with our eyes only for knowledge to be puffed up, just to know things. We want to behold Him with the eyes of our heart. We want to worship and love Christ because He's worthy of that. He's God in the flesh. Isaac Ambrose would say this about beholding or about considering Christ. Now this consideration brings Christ nearer and closer to the soul. This consideration fastens Christ more strongly to the soul, and as it were, rivets the soul to Jesus Christ and fastens Him in the heart. That's the kind of beholding we want to do. We want to apply Him to our very beings. So our focus this morning is the phrase, God with us. That's what we're going to be beholding. There's two points to that. God with us in His incarnation and God with us in salvation. So first one, God with us in his incarnation. Now I take this phrase with us to mean uh, these things, together in one place. We're with each other right now. We're in each other's presence. We're occupying space together. And when the, in the presence of each other, the incarnation means that God came near to his people. He actually came to earth and walked among us. John the Baptist experienced that. He looked up and he saw Jesus walking toward him, God in the flesh walking toward him. A definition of the Incarnation could be this, or is this. The Incarnation was the act of God the Son, whereby He took to Himself a human nature, a sinless human nature. And we believe this to be a true historical fact. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So Grace Church members, see if this sounds familiar to you. We believe in Jesus Christ, the preexistent, only begotten Son of God. Being Himself fully God, we believe that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, who remained a virgin until after the birth of Christ. Does that sound familiar to you? It should. It's in our Grace Church affirmation of faith. It's the Article 3 about Jesus Christ. If you're a member of Grace Church, you're agreeing to believe that. We believe that Jesus is the one written about in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and also in verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. When nothing else existed, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, verse fourteen, and we have seen his glory, glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and church. Oh, excuse me, grace and truth. The Word that was with God that was God, tabernacled among us, be, took flesh upon himself, and the disciples would say of him, Who is this? That even winds and the sea obey Him. And the Pharisees sought to kill Him because He was calling God, His very own Father. Making Himself equal with God. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is God with us. But what is it that He came to do? Why would He take, on him, take upon Himself flesh? What is the goal of it? If you look at I me mean, a couple of verses earlier in, in verse 21, we find these wonderful words. She will bear a son, and they shall call his name Jesus. For why? He will save his people from their sins. This is Christ's great mission. This is the purpose of his incarnation. And this is what he came to do. Jesus is primarily a Savior, a Deliverer. Consider His name. They say, name Him Jesus. The name Jesus is the Greek word or the Greek name for the Hebrew name, Joshua. And that name means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is our Deliverer. So you can look at it this way. Name Him Deliverer. Name Him Rescuer. Name Him Savior. So when we say the name Jesus to one another, we're calling Him Savior. We are calling Him God's Redeemer, God's Rescuer. That's who He is. But consider what it is that Jesus saves us from. The text says, He will save His people from their sin. He saves us from our sin. He saves us from our sin. We were in bondage to sin. Slaves to it. And Jesus even says in John eight thirty four, Truly, truly, I say to you, All who practices sin are slaves to sin. Sin owned us, and we were enslaved to it. We are not sinful, but because we sin, we know this phrase. We sin because we're sinful. It's in our very nature to sin. The Apostle Paul would say in Romans chapter 7, "...for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh." For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. But However, friends, we need to rejoice this morning because this text is not about us being sinful. It is about the one who will save us from our sin. Paul would later proclaim in that same chapter, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Exodus chapter 2, we find these words of God's people, Israel, enslaved to the Egyptians. And it says this, chapter 2, verse 23 in, in Exodus. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. So God's people were enslaved. And they were helpless to rescue themselves from the, from the taskmasters there in Egypt. And then in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, we hear these words. God responds. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egypts and to bring them up out of the, that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And we could say the same is true about the Incarnation. God knew our sufferings. He sees our afflictions. Our afflictions. He knows of our need to be rescued from our sin. And He knows our inability to save ourselves. So therefore, He sends His mighty Son down to rescue us, to be our great deliverer, to save us from our sin. And John 3.17 says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So, then, how can we have confidence that Jesus will save us from our sins? Is He able to do it? To put it simply, it's a simple truth, but it's profound. Jesus can save us from our sins because He is God. This is the purpose of the Incarnation. He can deliver us from our sins because He is God in the flesh. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When God says that He will save us from our sins, then He will save us from our sins. And Nathan prayed it in his prayer. Who is going to stay His hand? Who's going to frustrate God's plan? Who's going to get in His way and say, No, God, you can't do that. God's Word even says this, Psalm 135, 6. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. In heaven and on earth, in seas and all the deeps. God, Jesus, can save you from your sin. But how does he do it? How does he save us from our sin? When we consider the gospel again, Jesus saves his people from their sin by his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus, being perfectly righteous, bore the sin of many, giving himself up as a ransom. Our sin was charged to him, imputed to him. He took all of our sin upon himself. And God's righteous wrath that we deserve because of our sin was poured out on Him as He hung on the cross. We stood condemned. Jesus, God in the flesh, comes down, moves us out of the way, stands in our place. God pours His wrath out on Him because now He stood condemned. And through repentance and faith, believing in this Jesus, we are set free from our sin. That's how He delivers us from our sin. Jesus died, was buried, and on the third day rose bodily from the grave, triumphant over sin and death. All who repent of their sins and believe in this Jesus are the ones who Jesus delivers from sin. This is the goal of the incarnation. This is why he came, to save us from our sins. So during this Advent season, we, we primarily celebrate, and rightfully so, the birth of Christ. That's where our focus is. But in the incarnation is also salvation. It's also crucifixion. We celebrate those things along with the incarnation. So, if your mind goes to God becoming man, let it continue going. See this man being hung on a cross for you and for me. The infant that was that was supported by the wood in the manger would soon be the one who would be nailed to a cross of wood. He was born to die. The incarnation and the crucifixion of Christ are inseparable. The incarnation and salvation are inseparable. That's what he came to do. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And I'll let Isaac Ambrose... Clean that up for us, to summarize it for us. He says this, out of looking unto Jesus. Was not my soul and your soul in danger of hellfire? Was not this our case and condition that after a little life upon earth, we should have been thrown into eternal torments? Where had been nothing but weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth? And now that God and Christ should bid an angel tell the news, ye shall not die. Lo, here a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be your Jesus, and he shall save you from from this hell and death and sin, and he shall deliver your souls. He shall save you to the utmost. His name is Jesus, and he shall not bear his name for naught. Believe in him. And ye shall live with him in glory. Christ is God with us. He is the incarnation. He is our salvation. So, in conclusion, how do we respond to this? How then shall we live? How do we live if Jesus truly has delivered us from our sin and has set us free from our sin? Well, then we should live as those who are no longer under the dominion of sin. That's freedom. In John 8:36, uh, Jesus says this, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. In Romans 6:12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Sin no longer has any authority over you. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And Spurgeon will close us out with this statement. If Jesus Christ be God with us, let us come to God without any question or hesitance. Whoever you may be, you need no priest or intercessor to introduce you to God. For God is, has introduced himself to you. So before I pray, after after I pray, we're going to enter into a time of silence together. Where you are in your seat, and just a gospel reflection. Think about the things of God. After I pray silently, and apply them to your soul. Preach the gospel to yourself. So pray with me. So hark, the herald angels sing. Glory be to the newborn King. God, we praise you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. You walked among us, you tabernacled among us, and you came to save us from our sin. And we are free indeed. Thank you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.